0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts, and we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY, that's 888-543-3788. Now, let's join today's program.
1: The early chapters in the book of Hebrews present one comparison after another of Christ to the cherished items of the Old Covenant. And this comparison now brings us to Moses, the most revered of all the Old Testament figures. Once again, our Christ is superior. This is the Life Study of the Bible with Witness.ly, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. And Gary Kaiser's with us again today as we continue to view Christ as the one superior in every way. Gary, it's good to have you here once again.
2: Thank you, Matt. I really enjoy entering
1: into these messages in Hebrews together with you. Gary, we've had several comparisons thus far in the book of Hebrews. I wonder if you'd review the ones that we are seeing so far. The first comparison is
2: in chapter 1, comparing the God of the Jewish people with the God of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God is surely God, but he's hidden. In the New Testament, God is expressed. The Son comes as the very expression of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets indirectly. In the New Testament, he speaks in the Son directly. The Son is God's word, God speaking, even God himself. God is here, ministering himself into his people through his speaking. The New Testament God is the Old Testament God, but now he's unveiled. Expressed, receivable, possessable, experiential, daily. This is a God who has made himself available. Praise the Lord that we have such a God. And this God is Jesus, the Son of God. He is nothing less than God himself. He's the creator, the upholder of the universe. He is God. In chapter 2, we see another comparison. That is, that Christ is superior to the angels. As the Son of God and as the Son of Man, he is superior to the angels. He has a more excellent name than they have. He is the very God, the Creator, the Upholder. He's the one who... Is first born from the dead out of resurrection. He's the heir of all things. He's the redeemer. He is the imparter of life. He's the coming one. He's the one seated as king on the throne of God. He is the eternally existing one. As a man superior to the angels, he has two natures the divine and the human. He is God, as we've just discussed, but he's also man, and his superiority to the angels extends to his being a man. Although he was made a little lower than the angels to suffer death, he was crowned with glory and honor, set over all the works of God. He is made both Lord and Christ, he's exalted to be the leader and the savior, the prince and the captain. And this all is not primarily a matter of divinity, but of humanity.
1: Hallelujah for such a Christ. Thanks, Gary. Let's go ahead and join Witness Lee for today's life study. We're going to have another comparison today as we look at Moses.
3: We saw the comparison of our God today with the God whom the Jewish people hold on. Then we have seen the comparison between Christ and the angels with two sections. Christ as the Son of God, as God is superior to the angels, and then Christ as the Son of Man as man to the angels. Now we come to third comparison. From chapter 3, the writer shows us how Christ is superior to Moses. Following these, you will have the fourth comparison. That tells us Christ as the high priest is superior to Aaron. Christ as the apostle and as the high priest is superior to both Moses and Aaron. So in the very first verse of chapter 3, you have to notice two special titles given to Christ. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus. Jesus is our apostle and our high priest. As the apostle, he was typified by Moses. As the high priest, by Aaron. Who is the first apostle in the New Testament? Jesus this is why I say again this book to Hebrews is very peculiar it tells us firstly the Lord Jesus is the heir of all things appointed by God then it tells us he is the captain of salvation now In chapter 3, we have this title, the Apostle. The heir, the captain, the high priest, and the Apostle. The Apostle, the word in Greek means a sent one. Jesus is sent by God. You know, during the time, the children of Israel were suffering the persecution under the tyranny of Pharaoh. God came to Moses and uh, charged him to go to Pharaoh, to make a deal with Pharaoh. So Moses became God's sent one. From that day, Moses became An apostle in the Old Testament time. Moses was God's sent one, the apostle, to take Israel out of Egypt. Not only to take them out of Egypt, but also to take them through the wilderness. For what purpose? To constitute, to form the children of Israel into God's house. Into a habitation of God on this earth. Symbolized by the tabernacle made by the children of Israel in the wilderness. That tabernacle was not the real habitation of God. That was just a symbol, a sign. By that time, the real habitation of God on the earth was the children of Israel. The children of Israel were the house of God. And they were formed, they were constituted by God's apostle, the Saint One Moses. And this picture with Moses, was so clear portrayed.
1: Gary, the real meaning of the word apostle is the sent one, or one that is sent. And Moses surely qualified as an Old Testament sent one to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and ultimately to build the tabernacle. Gary, what is the equivalent aspects of Christ's New Testament apostleship? Well, the
2: contrast and comparison between Moses and Christ is made very clear here in the book of Hebrews. Moses is, of course, just a man. Christ is a man, but he is also God. So his qualities for carrying out God's purpose are much higher. For example, Moses was faithful as a servant as a part of God's house. But Christ was one who could care for God's house, even be a builder of God's house. He was a part of the house, but he was also the son caring for God's house. Christ, being both God and man, is one who is a material for the building, but he's also the builder. Moses was faithful in God's house. Christ is the Son taking care of God's house. He is not just another member of that house. He is the life in each member. He is the stone for God's building, God's habitation. He is the foundation stone, the cornerstone, top stone, living stone. He is the house. Being built up. And he is also the one who is
1: supervising, overseeing, directing the building of that house. Thanks, Gary. I think we're going to see more about this comparison between the apostleship of Moses and Christ in the coming section. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
3: Now, we come to Hebrew chapter 3. Here the writer, wait very brief statement tells us how Moses was a type. Here, the writer uses this word, Moses was a testimony of the things to come. He was a testimony. And testimony here really means he was just a photo. Moses was a testimony was a photo of a person coming. He was a prefigure, a shadow of the very real, genuine apostle sent from God. But there is a difference in degree. Moses, he only had the humanity, the human nature, which is good for God's building. He didn't have the divine nature. Yet, Jesus has two natures the human nature and the divine nature, which is good for the builder. He, in his humanity, is the gold material for God's building, but in his divinity, is the builder. He is not only a part of the building, but the builder. This is the difference between Christ and Moses. Moses, yes, was the apostle sent by God to constitute God's house on this earth, but Christ is not only a part of the building, but the builder. Tonight, our point is not this. Our point is the house. In chapter 2, Christ is the firstborn son. And we are the many sons that form the church. In other words, in chapter 2, Christ is the captain, the firstborn son, and the high priest for the many brothers... To be the church. In chapter 3, Christ is the apostle. And we, the brothers, are the house of God. We all have to realize the church has a double function. The church to Christ is the body. The church to God is the house. Christ is the head and the church is the body of the head. This is the first function of the church. Then the second function of the church is the house to the Father. God is the Father and the church is his house. The house here It's not merely a kind of physical house. This word for house, you may translate this word into household. The members of a family. You have to realize God's house is living. God's house is also his family. His family is his house. His folks are his dwelling place. And this house, again, is not something physical, but something living. Living in the Father's name. Living in the Father's life. Living in the Father's reality. When we say living in the Father's name, that means living in the Father. In the Father's reality. This house It's not a physical building. This house is a living composition of so many children of God in the Father's life and reality.
1: Gary, this was a marvelous word. Christ needs a body, and God needs a house, and both are realized in the church. The comparison, Gary, between Moses and Christ in Hebrews extends to the matter of the house of God. We touched this earlier, but now it's being more developed. Why is Moses considered as a part of the house, whereas Christ is the builder of the house? Well, Matt, I think the
2: key here is God wants to dwell not in a physical building but in a house that is constituted of his people, a living house. Moses, as a man, possessing the human life, can be a part of that house, but he cannot be the constituting part of the house. In other words, he can be built in, but he cannot build. The house of God is constituted of human beings. So, that house is built of human beings. It is a living structure that serves both God and Christ. Christ needs a body. That body is the church. God needs a house. That house is also the church. The architect. And the builder of the house is God. Christ is God. Hence, he can build. But he's also man, so he can be a part of the house. This is wonderful. Christ is building the house by adding
1: God into people and by bringing people into God. Gary, we've had the house of God as it appeared in John, then in Genesis, now in Hebrews. And I don't believe we can hear this too much, this concept that God's desire was really not to dwell in the tabernacle, but to dwell in his people. And now this is unfolding. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study.
3: This means where the house of God is, there is the family of God. Where the family of God is, there is God the Father. God the Father's life and reality. Just like when you come to the church, the church at the body of Christ, you couldn't find Christ separate from all the members. Christ... As the head of the body is right within all the members. You may count the members 200. But you have to know it is not only 200. It got to be 21. And where is this one? And this one is in all the 200. Amen. And the same thing, when you come to the house of God, you could see the house of God is the family of God. And how many folks is you count? Maybe 51 folks. But you can only find fifty. Where's the other one? The other one is the father in all the children. Amen. This is the house of God. And this is Bethel. B-E-T-H-E-L. This is the very house. Which Jacob saw in his dream. This is where such a church is. That church is the vessel, is the house of God with the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, as the heavenly ladder. So, such a church on this earth today is the gate of heaven for people to. Communicate On the earth with the heavens There is Tonight a communication Between the earth And the heavens We are here The gate of heaven If you have the spiritual eyes I do believe You can see the angels Ascending And descending upon the heaven ladder. And this house is not only a movable, portable house. It's a living and walking house. This house is living, moving, and walking. Wonderful. Walking with the apostle corporately. We all have to know God's house It's a corporate body. If you are going to enjoy this apostle, if you are going to enjoy this father, if you are going to enjoy this reality of this father, you have no other place but in this house. And this is why I don't believe in the individual Christians. I don't believe in When you are individual... You are true. When you are individual, you are just a separate piece of stone. You are true with the house. You got to be in the church. My, so many of us all can testify what enjoyment, what a blazing, what can kind of grace we have been partaking of through the days in the church.
1: Gary, here was a striking word once again regarding the house of God as that which is built by Christ himself. For us to experience the Christ that we are seeing in this book of Hebrews, we all need to be practically in the house that he is building, don't we?
2: Yes, very much so. I'm reminded of 1 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul writes to Timothy, These things I write to you hoping to come to you shortly. But if I delay, I write that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. I'm struck by this word, the church of the living God. A living God needs a living house. This house is the corporate living, of the many members of the body of Christ. It is a house in which the members are mingled together, are all one of another, caring for one another, caring for God's interests together with God. It's a house of communication, as our brother has shared. It's a house where there is the flowing of the life of God between all the members and God himself. It's much more than a religious organization or a society or a center to carry out philanthropic ventures. It's a house of the living God. It's the expression and representation of God. It honors God. You can find God there. It's not merely a place to go to feel good or to receive help. It's a household of faith in which God himself is the center. The Father and all of his children are gathered around him for his satisfaction. Matt, eventually we must realize that this house is the mingling of God with man. For this reason, God in Christ must be the builder, dispensing God into man and making man organically one with God. Therefore, we cannot be individual Christians doing things for God. We must be living members of the living house. We must be coordinated together as one.
1: Gary, we may have this teaching or that teaching about the church and God's dwelling place, but if this condition that Witness Lee has described of the oneness of God expressed among his people, if that condition is really not there, then really all we have are just the teachings and the doctrines. The reality of God's dwelling is based upon the reality of this oneness. Well, this really is something to seek after. Thank you for your fellowship today. Please call our toll-free number if you'd like to get more information about the Life Study of Hebrews. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. You can also request more information by writing to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. On behalf of Gary Kaiser, this is Matt Miller. Thank you for listening today.
0: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.